So Rob, here we are. We've made it. We've grown a business. We've got a reasonable amount of people in the team. We've got a brand that people love. It's, it's all going well. There's no mistakes. We are pretty much perfect. Well, hang on. That's not, that's <laughs> not what this series is all about. Uh, yet we have done a lot of things. We've done enough right. And it's true. We have grown a business and it is going well. But there have been times when I've questioned whether that would be the outcome because we've certainly made some shocking mistakes along the way. I think we need to be honest about that because it's a part of business. It is a part of business. And I think that's what's so key here is this is almost the purpose of this podcast series is that businesses portray different things. It's like, okay, we're starting up, we're struggling. Or we've made it and look how great we were to make it. But no one's talking about the struggle in the middle. And probably the biggest struggle is in the middle. Mm. And that's probably because people haven't got time to because they're struggling so much. But I think there's this perception in the business world of particularly the people who aren't in this part of the business world that actually it's all glamorous. Mm. And it's far, far from glamorous. Yeah. And you talked about it being hardest in the middle. But I think probably when you look back in the future, we're still in the middle. Like We still haven't done (laughs) a quarter of what we actually want to do. So we're not at the end. We're still in the middle. And we'll fast forward another year. And we're, oh, we're making a mistake today that we don't realise is a mistake. (laughs) There's going to be more is what I'm saying. Yeah, there are going to be more. But hopefully by doing this podcast for ourselves, we'll learn. Mm -hmm. Other people can be entertained by all the silly mistakes that we make, some massive mistakes that we've made. Mm -hmm. And they can follow along on this journey, learn from the mistakes that we've done and see what else is up in store. I don't know why we've started this podcast because it's a bit scary now I said it. It is a bit. So let's go back, right back to the start and start with what was the very first mistake that you can think of that we've made? I think the the very first mistake, and you'll be exempt from this one, Rob, is when I first started out in business and the first version of, of what we have today existed was I just copied. I, I went, okay, so I've been really good in my own job. If I just replicate what this company has done, it's going to be great. I'm going to build a really big business. It's going to have a lovely life and, mm. and we'll have fun. It was awful. But why? Because in theory, it makes sense, right? Like if someone's already doing it, it works. Why bother reinventing that? If it's a model that works, you just pick it up from there and put it over there. Uh, I think I got so much wrong. Not understanding how just one part of the business isn't the whole business was a big mistake for me. So I looked at the sales function of that business and went, I'll repeat that. And yes, that part was good, but I didn't think about brand. I didn't think about marketing. I didn't think about finance. I didn't think about admin. I didn't think about any of it, really. I just thought, if I do this part well, then sales will come in and you just the rest will happen, surely. Mm. And, and it didn't. And for the first two years, I was sat in my spare bedroom at a desk wondering, when is this going to happen? And I suppose even if it does work, the best case is you end up replicating exactly what someone else has done, right? Because there's no reason why you would get any bigger and better than that. That's your limitation. I mean, you are probably going to be second to them as well because Mm. they've had that head start and they've learned the lessons and they felt more pain than you. So if you just copy someone else, the best you could hope for is to be the Pepsi to their Coca-Cola. Like. And nobody wants to be Pepsi. In defense of copying, we still do a lot of copying now. The (laughs) difference is, I think we copy more broadly. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with seeing bits and pieces that work in different industries and going, oh, we can have that. And and that's fine because it's it's all about taking inspiration from different places, not just slavishly copying everything about another business in your sector. Definitely. It's taking the very best 
of another business or, or another sector and going, let's bring that to my sector. Mm-hmm. This is working really well elsewhere, but in my industry, it's lacking. Mm-hmm. And that, that is game changer stuff. That, when we copied that way, mm-hmm. was when we accelerated. Every time we've done that, we've gone, wow, okay, we're moving on to another level now. But just like you said, copying a business for copying sake and copying everything about it, that really the business I was copying was just a modest business. It looked massive to me at the time, but what we have today is bigger than that. But at the time it was just like the ultimate to get to that point. But I really was setting my goals in the wrong place and doing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. And it was when we started to innovate and start to do things different that the market was giving me little nudges to go, that's working. Like, and it was like, oh, okay, wait a minute, I'll try this now. And it was like, oh, that's working. And the more that we did differently, the more success that we had. So luckily, I was able to stay in business long enough, learn that lesson slowly, mm. too slowly, but eventually learned the lesson and was like, okay, now I understand. And there's more to business than just being innovative. But that's something that so many people when they start get wrong absolutely another thing to get wrong <laughs> is hiring done a bit of that as well haven't we we have uh, yeah uh go on I, I, I again some of these predate my involvement so i get to go well, nothing to do with me but we'll, we'll come on to <laughs> That's some a of, disclaimer we'll get to we'll get on to some of the awful ones that i was involved in as well but if you go back to the very start what were your first hires like i mean nothing against these people but I was so, so bad at hiring. I, two of the first four hires persuaded me to hire them. So I didn't even hire them. They hired themselves. I mean... How did it even happen? I don't... Well, they were just really nice and persistent. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, as, as we talk through this, why they wanted to work with me so much uh, based on what I've just told you about the first few years. Presumably you were out of your bedroom by this point. <laughs> yeah, luckily, in a very small service office. Or they could have sat on the bed, but it would have been a bit <laughs> awkward. But it wasn't just those two. The first, however many hires, I can't remember how long it took me till I got it right, but the first so many hires were just poor choices. I didn't really vet them properly. I didn't go through a strong interview process. You know, if they had a good handshake, yeah, you can start. I just thought if I get people in, I can grow the business. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't treat the hiring process with the respect it needed. And it was pain that taught me a lesson because unfortunately, when you get hiring wrong, it can cause you a lot of pain. And it was that pain that was made me actually think, you know what, I actually want to get really, really good at hiring Mm -hmm. and spent time getting good at hiring. And actually, it was probably one of the best investments I've ever made. How quickly did you feel that pain? Like, could you know on day one, uh-oh, something's not right? <laughs> a little bit longer than that because you're all in a honeymoon period. Like, someone's just got a new job. You've just got a new team member. You're like, yay! It's like, oh, fantastic. Everything's perfect. And then three months in, you're like, oh, my God, they hate me. I'm not sure about them. Like, what have we done? Like, we're not culturally aligned. Like, we just got different views on the world. Like, so many differences. Mm. Or actually, this person hasn't got the strengths to do that role. Like, there's so many mistakes you can make with hiring. It's not necessarily they're a bad person. They can be a great person in the wrong role mm-hmm. or a great person in the wrong business. Like, are they going to thrive in what was, you know, a four-person business? You know, someone who's from a corporate world might not like that. And, and then, actually, as you grow the business, people who like the four-person business might not like the 10, 20, 30, 
person business. So mm-hmm. it's making sure that you understand, is that person going to be right for the journey now? And also a little bit into the future as well, because if you're fast growing, they need to be ready to go to that next level too. Yeah, definitely. So those were the hires that you made for the business that you had before we started working together. Then we started Property Hub, which was the, the online community bit at that point and had the podcast as well. I think by luckily, because you'd made those mistakes of the first hires, I got to skip the worst of it because by that point you were like, right, okay, we need to have a process. We need to have this interview, then that interview. And it wasn't like amazing, but it was better than just like going on the strength of a handshake. And the first hire we made was actually pretty good. Where I think we then went wrong was, our, I think it was our second hire, but I'm not quite sure. Um, it was a lady who was a referral from that first employee. Can you remember who I'm talking about? I can't, but I've got a shocking memory. I, <laughs> I struggled to remember last week. You've done well to blank it out. Oh my God, it's just clicked. I know who you're talking about now. I had blocked that out. I had, <laughs> yeah. I had mentally erased that. Yeah. So basically, with when we hired her, we didn't do. We went back to having no process at all. Reason being, she was a referral from this employee we had, who was really good. And whenever you listen to any interview about someone in business or read a book, it says you know referrals from your high performers are the best source of um, of referrals, and I think that is true. But in this case, that turned out not to be true. That I think probably the case was that this lady needed a job and a friend was being very nice to her in kind of finding her a job with us rather than thinking primarily about the business and whether it would be a fit. But it was so bad. And I think from memory, we then bypassed our process because it was a referral. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So we we had this process that we thought, wow, it's worked, helped us find the original good person. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, oh, we're fine. Don't need this process now. Save ourselves a bit of work. Exactly. Yeah. Um, What a disaster. So the, so I think the lesson from that is, uh, it's true. Referrals from your best employees will probably go on to be your best employees, but don't don't sack off the process that got you that first person in the first place. Because it may be the case that they have been a fantastic performer somewhere else, but like you said earlier, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be a great performer for you. So you need to go through that same process. Completely agree. So we did start to grow and we built other businesses because it was like, okay, we do this one thing well and this would be a complimentary business. But we got that wrong as well. And one of the things that we got wrong was we we said, right, they're going to work together, but they're going to be completely separate at the same time as well. I mean, I don't even know how we can explain this because it's just going to seem so daft. Yeah. Now you say it, it just sounds like a really stupid thing to have done. It hadn't, <laughs> hadn't even dawned on me till you said it just then, quite how stupid it was. But it was, it was the easy thing to do because, like, you already had a business. Then we had a business together, and it made sense to have that separate, right? Because you've already got your thing, and then there's our thing. So it makes sense to have those separate because it's easy. You don't have to have awkward conversations about someone buying in or whatever. And then we had another business together. I could have a weak justification for that why that needs to be separate because it's quite a different thing but really no there is no justification is there no so the consequence of this was that we had separate teams that felt very separate so externally people would think they'd be working together and probably our best mates but actually they could go weeks or months without even speaking to each other Hmm. and to then grow separate cultures and separate team bonding it just, when you say it out loud, it just seems so bad. I mean, there is some justification, 
if we try and save ourselves to say, okay, there, were, there was a business that was separate that I'd set up and then we'd done businesses together. But we should have had that conversation a lot earlier about let's merge this, let's make this work. Mm-hmm. And it was only, you know, I started 10 years ago and we have been working together for eight I think so. years. Yeah. So it was only, what, how long ago that we actually brought it all together? I'm going to say it can't be two years, can it? It's got to be longer than two years. It's a years. little bit longer. It's not a lot, though, is it? It's not a lot longer, which is really worrying mm. that we took that long. But when we did, it made it so much better. And then what else we realised at the same time is you've got all these separate teams, which is bad, but we had all these separate brands as well. Mm. So we were slugging our guts out to try and build this brand and then build this brand and then build that brand. And, it's, and then someone said to us, it wasn't even our moment of going, ah, we figured it out now. Someone else said to us, well, you know, if you make it all one brand, then you only have to work on one brand. And they was like, oh, no. Nah. Yeah. Like, what have we done? It was the consultant who we brought in, and he was kind enough to kind of take us through this process and let us come to that realisation, rather than come in and in the first five minutes go, you are idiots. <laughs> this is clearly what you should be doing. Which he could have, I'm sure he could have done that because it was pretty obvious to everyone else. But yeah, just didn't see it. And we had this one brand, Property Hub, that was becoming a really strong brand Mm. because we were doing pretty good marketing and putting out so much content and everything else. And that was becoming a really strong brand. But then the actual businesses that made the money sort of sat there in the background and you had this kind of awkward transition from one, someone listens to the podcast or whatever, then they want to become a customer of your business. But is this even your business? Is it the same thing? Is it a different, I don't get it. It, was just, oh. it wasn't good for anyone. No. So we said it wasn't good for the teams. It wasn't good for us building the teams, but it wasn't good for the customers. Like you said, like they were getting confused. Like, oh, am I still like got anything to do with Property Hub here? Mm. Like you're involved, but like we were the con- we were the consistent, we were the constant between all of them. We were that link. But beyond that, it was hard for people to understand. And it was it wasn't even like it took months to make it work once we brought it all together and we was like right now we got this property hub brand this master brand that everyone understands the amount of messages that we got on day one going i can't believe you took so long to do this like (laughs) this makes complete sense and we were really nervous yeah because it was massive for us at Mm. the time rebranding everything and we were like oh are people going to take to this and it was day one people were like well guys come on like even we could see this yeah thanks one of you have mentioned it before <laughs> this point and saved us from this but i think it was just the convenient thing to do and so we did it and i think there's naivety as well like going back to the having the separate teams i just don't think we probably realized what the negative effect of that would be and the flip of that how positive it would be once you brought everything together because probably there's about a year-long process of trying to bring everything together in the end because, like, sort of coming up with the the new brand and having a logo for everything is the fun bit, and that's quite easy. But then actually making it one cohesive team, or one business, is really hard. And it took some time, and it wasn't always easy. But the benefits of that have just been huge now. Massive. And on so many levels, like I said, it's so much easier for customers. But one of the most satisfying parts was probably how the team came mm-hmm. together and then because you've unified everyone behind one mission rather than going right we've got a mission we've got a mission and you've got a mission it's like hey everyone we've got this mission we've got this vision this is where we're going this is why we slog it out every day you know this is why you care as well as us and everyone was like okay 
this makes it a lot nicer place to work as yeah. well. And luckily, you know, a lot of the team, because we've scaled at the pace that we have, have only experienced Property Hub, or the majority of their time with us has been Property Hub. Yeah. But I feel sorry for those who had to experience it before. And we do have a few of those poor souls with us that must have incredible patience because they've gone through all of that and stuck with us. And now, now they've been rewarded by being a part of a business that it's just a nicer place to be. As these businesses have formed and developed and merged and done all kinds of weird stuff at the wrong times, I think we've had a, a weird relationship with space. Like, <laughs> like, and so Outer now, space? Or? <laughs> I think we're now... What is out there? Well, we've kind of been all over the shop and you might as well have been in space. Cause we've, we're now <laughs> at the point where you've got we've got an office in london and an office in manchester and that still causes some issues because it'd be better if everyone was all in one place but there are reasons or at least we think now that there are reasons why those are separate but in the past we've had a lot of people working remotely we've also had uh, been through various office choices um, in those locations and others and those choices haven't always been the best no I'm starting to notice a theme here, but I think I have to take full blame for our first office in the north because London was first and then we've opened an office in the north and the first office we opened was in Warrington. Now, why Warrington? Warrington is lovely. The main reason? Well, because I was going to be doing most of the travelling up and down. It was the fastest train. <laughs> Manchester was two hours 15, so was Liverpool, but Warrington was one hour 45. So, up. of course, my commute was the most important decision around the, where we opened an office. So that's what that's what we chose. Mm -hmm. And Warrington was great, but we quickly realised that actually talent attraction is fundamental. Again, you're probably watching this going, oh, my God, of course it is. But we just assumed we could attract the talent in Warrington. Mm -hmm. You know, in London, we never had an issue. So we'd never felt that pain to kind of know that lesson. And it was like, okay, wait a minute. We're in Warrington. We are bringing some good people in. But the amount of applications that we're getting is like hardly any. We then made the inspired choice to move our office to Manchester. I mean, again, game changer. Mm. You know, it was like London. It was just like loads and loads of people joining us. But it's not even the locations that we've got wrong. It's the... It's the timing of <laughs> of growth and knowing what space to have. Like we've kind of grown faster at pretty much every point that our office space has quickly become out of hand. Yeah. And it is hard to look ahead and project to where you're gonna be, especially because you don't start feeling the pain until you get to a certain level. And then by the time you get to that point, because these things move slowly, like you've got a lease of a certain length where it takes time to find another space and fit it out, it could take months or up to a year like between feeling that pain for the first time and then getting out of it. Yeah. During that time, you end up with people like literally sitting on window ledges all day, not, not just temporarily, like that is their desk. They've got the laptop on, balanced on their lap. That actually happened. That happened. Um, people i remember trying to have meetings and like we had we had one room or maybe we had two rooms but if those were full we'd like go and duck into some other spare rooms to see if you could use those and then someone come kick you out and you'd end up just having a meeting in the corridor this went on for months it did I, again very patient team <laughs> we we get it wrong today though like london we've expanded 
And we're so lucky that the office space next door to us became available Mm -hmm. because otherwise we would have been stuck again in a reasonably long lease going, we've outgrown it. Manchester, at some point in the not-too-distant future, and you're probably able to find out when by following this podcast, we're going to outgrow that as well. But we're tied into a lease there. Mm. So it's like, wow, okay. When We know we keep making this mistake, and like some of the other mistakes we've made, we've learned our lessons. Yeah. But I still don't think we've cracked this one. I still don't think we've learned our lesson. No, I don't even know how you crack it, because you could easily imagine making the opposite mistake as well, and like signing up for somewhere massive, far bigger than you need, and then realising, oh, actually, we're not going to grow into this in the way we thought, or we need to have a satellite office instead of having everyone in here. You could easily do that, and that's a very expensive mistake as well. So I don't know if you could ever get it perfect. We definitely could have done it better. But I don't know if there's a perfect version of this. I think if this might just be one of those messy business things that everyone has to deal with wherever, especially early on when you don't really know how fast you're growing. Yeah, I think if you're scaling, which is a great thing and it's super fun, that's going to be a downside, a consequence mm. that you just have to live with. But it could be worse. I'll tell you what is worse. Starting a business in a field that you are completely unqualified to have any business and get involved in. Of all the mistakes, <laughs> this is definitely the most expensive. By far. Uh, definitely the most painful. Still feeling the pain of it today. Yeah. After how many years? Four? Could be four. I was going to say three, but I think it might actually yeah. be four. Yeah. Um, deserves its own episode. It will get its own episode. <laughs> That's going to be painful, but yeah. it will get its own episode. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot, but someone's going to have to do it. Do you want to explain the, what it was and the logic behind this? Yeah, because, again, this was my fault because I led us into this. We thought that we're in property, so we'll do property development. But property development isn't our skill set. So we understand a lot, I think, about property. We understand about the economic market cycles around property. And we've built great service businesses around property. But our strengths are not hands-on development. You know, that's just not what we're about. It's not what we do. And the rationale for starting that business was super strong. Mm. If it had worked, it would have been brilliant. But where it absolutely fell down is I can't change a plug head. Like, I'm just at my limit changing bulbs. And then suddenly... We got a development business and we started not with like, let's build one house. We went, let's build 14. <laughs> and then built and then bought a lot of other land as well. And we're like, let's go. And we were great at designing them. You know, good at that type of stuff, product design. So we built and we've got a lovely design around the houses. We were great at selling them and marketing them. Really good. Once they were built, we were great at letting them. It's just that bit in the middle, that expensive bit, building them. Yeah, that bit that we'd never done before and knew nothing about. Yeah. Funny how that was a bit that went wrong, really. Massively wrong. Yeah. And I think the, the core lesson, and we will do a whole episode on this, is understand what you're best at and, and work in businesses that complement that. Again, this sounds super obvious, but I think because we were having success in what we were doing and it felt like, well, you know what? Pretty much every business we're doing launching really well going really well you know of course as we've talked about loads of mistakes as well but on the whole a lot more right than wrong this business was more wrong than right and Mm. that's why it was our most costly mistake financially yeah and i think we were aware of course that we didn't know a lot about this so weren't just turning up with our hard hats and trying to do it ourselves we did 
hire someone to lead that part of the business. But we knew so little about that area that we had no idea how to hire the right person. Yeah, so, or know if they're doing a good job. Yeah, exactly. So we could have could have saved a lot of the pain by noticing some of the things that were going wrong far earlier before you end up having to effectively build some of the houses twice, which is what's happened. Yeah, unfortunately so, and so much more, like so much more. Like that's why it needs its own episode. Yeah, because it wasn't just the mistake of going into it; it was then all the individual mistakes once we'd gone into it. Yeah, there are so many lessons from that one. But let's, I've admitted to enough today. So let's move on <laughs> because I want to share some. So, next, something we are very much jointly responsible for is having fantastic launches of new businesses, but maybe not always having the operational structure behind them where it needed to be. And this was being too good at launching mm-hmm. because when we've launched new products or services, the Property Hub audience is incredible audience and they are so supportive when we've launched stuff but when we've launched stuff we've not anticipated the level of demand it's overwhelmed us and then we've been scrambling around in the background to bring ourselves operationally up to speed yeah and maybe the first time that happened that's acceptable but by the third time it's like Okay, we should know by now the demand is there. We know what happens when we're not ready for it. So maybe let's build all this in, but we haven't. And every time I talk to anyone about this and sort of complain about it a little bit, they go, oh, nice problem to have. Well, I suppose it is in the scheme of problems, but it's still a problem. And it's a problem because you end up having this great launch and that's wonderful. Everyone gets excited. But then you end up causing your team a lot of pain and you end up potentially letting down the customers who are your best customers, the people who come along on day one and put their faith in you, they are the guinea pigs. They are the people who bear the brunt. They're the ones where the cracks first show when things aren't as they should be. And you end up having to deal with that situation. And I think we deal with it relatively well to give ourselves credit. We should do because we've done it enough times. (laughs) But we we, we admit our mistakes. We act quickly to sort it out. But it shouldn't be happening. And yet it is every time. Although I do really feel we've massively learned the lesson on this now because our latest venture, which we still haven't launched at the time of putting this out, we've been working on, well, the concept for a couple of years and getting it off the ground and ready before we launch it from start to finish is probably an 18-month project. And the most intense part of setting it up was at least six months before, but maybe maybe a bit longer. Basically, what I'm saying is we've spent a lot of time and we've really taken home that lesson and gone, never again. Yeah, And it has to be because what we're doing next is the most ambitious thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Right? So we have to take that lesson and all the others we've discussed to make sure we get this right. Yeah, there's just too much risk now to get it wrong again. And you can get away with it in the early days and people are a little bit forgiving. And if you just you just only have to make so many phone calls apologizing if you really mess it up. But then when you get into the scale of what we're going to do next, we cannot get that wrong. And I think we are at least aware enough of the mistakes that we've made not to repeat that one again. Another mistake we've made and we've now corrected because again, getting ready for the launch is we were getting distracted by launching too much. Mm. You know, we love coming up with new ideas. We love coming up with new concepts and thinking, oh, let's try this, let's try that. People are like this. But you don't need to do everything. 
we were in that privileged position where we had loads of people who wanted to engage with us. So we were like, let's start new services, let's start new products. But we didn't need to. And I think it was that lack of focus. Rather than just saying this could work well, we didn't stop to go, okay, but how's this fit to the bigger purpose of what we're trying to achieve? Does this take us closer to that or further away? And unfortunately, we launched some things that actually took us away from what we really wanted to do, distracted us, sidetracked us for a while. And maybe we would be further along today if we hadn't done that. But then again, we've learned the pain, we've had those lessons, so we can utilize those lessons moving forward. But we ended up selling a business for not a lot of money, which again, really does deserve its own episode because we've got so distracted. Yeah. We had to shut down services because it was a distraction. I mean, we're super focused now. And I think this is what the best business owners, founders do is get super focused. Fortunately for us, it took us a long time, but we have learned that lesson. Yeah. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we were in a position where we could do a lot and people were coming along. But we, we could, you, because we're talking to so many people, we could see all these areas where they're being poorly served. It's like, oh, we could do that. We could do that. It's like, yeah, but we either we're not the best people to do it or we just shouldn't be doing it at all because you can only do so much. We're not the only ones. You, you see even massive businesses make this mistake all the time. They just overextend or they go off on something that just doesn't work. I think there's always that temptation to, to go, oh, well, this is working in this area. Let's see if we can replicate it over here. But I, you've got to, I think do what we are finally doing now, which is just really asking yourself over and over again, is this a good idea? Is this core to our business? What are the consequences if this doesn't work out? All those kind of questions that you you probably ask yourself vaguely in the first place, but you have to really be honest with yourself and have that process that takes time so you don't just end up go rushing into things that you shouldn't be. Yeah, and it's not just about should we do this product does that take us close? So now internally, it's like, do we make this business decision, which people externally might not see, does that take us closer mm -hmm. or further away? Is this fun, but a distraction? Like it's getting that focus now. It's that important. And that's what last year was actually really good for, because when they're saying along the lines of like, you don't learn when you have a good year. And I think we've probably made our biggest mistakes when we've been having the best years like yeah. if you look at if you go back and look at the accounts going back years the ones that have the biggest number at the bottom that's probably the years where the seeds were planted <laughs> for the things that are going to go horribly wrong in a couple of years time because there's just that there's the optimism there's that kind of feeling like you're invincible and you go off and yeah you do these things that you shouldn't do 2020 was such a difficult year for everyone we had it a lot easier than some but it was still hard but I think actually we ended up, as a result, undoing lots of mistakes we'd made in the past and really getting focused in. So we've now got a far stronger platform than we would have done if we'd had a great year last year. Yeah, focus. It's such a lesson to take away, like focusing on that overall mission, that overall purpose and making every decision based on that. I wish we'd learned it many years before. I'm glad we've learned it now. But it's so important for anyone at any stage of a business. As you say, even big companies still get this wrong. And you know what? I think it's an like, entrepreneur's curse. Like They see opportunity. It's like, oh, we could do this. We could do that. That new service or this new idea within the business. Or let's go off on this direction. It's constantly going, oh, shiny, let's do it. But it's not. It's 
getting focused. It's having, you use the word discipline, and I completely agree. It's having that discipline because your natural instinct is to go opportunity, but you need the discipline to go, no, what's the biggest opportunity? What's the most impactful thing that we can do? Yeah, and that's where we finally got to, I think. We used to have because we have a couple of regular conversations every week and obviously we talk most days, but we have a couple in, in those kind of scheduled conversations, we'd always be talking about new ideas. Yeah. But we don't do that anymore because we've got this one big idea that's so big that we just know that well, everything has to be in service of that. And because that's so powerful and so motivating, that's kind of stripped away the desire. Still have the occasional thought, oh, we could do this, but then immediately it's like, no. And you you need to get that vision, probably the the one thing that's big enough to to kind of use that as your north star and not get distracted all the time. So why have we created this episode? It's not because we want to like some weird beat down on ourselves and that gives us satisfaction. It's not for that reason. The reason we've done this is we want people to understand that people who start businesses are not superheroes. They don't get everything right. In fact, they get loads wrong. But they do get more right than wrong or more important stuff right than wrong. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business. But it's okay to make mistakes because hopefully you can get learning by watching things like this or listening to things like this. But actually, the, a lot of the learning, unfortunately, is when you get that bit of pain and you go, okay, I've got that pain, now move on. And you become better as individuals and you become better as a business when you experience a bit of pain but not just accept it, go, okay, now I'm going to use this. I want to not feel like this again. What can I do? How can I learn? Definitely. You, there's, it's impossible to start out and go, have the aim of just getting it right and not making any mistakes. It can't be done. And however many things like this you watch or listen to, you could even like write it all down and go, must hire the wrong people, must think about which office to move to in plenty of time. You still will end up making those mistakes. It, it's just going to happen. But the idea is you only make that mistake once. We've made them more than once on occasion, but you do get to that point where you go, okay, got it now. Yeah, that's Maybe enough. Yeah. No more. Yeah. So if people accept that, that you don't have to be perfect, because I think that's probably, with today with society is there's social media and everything else it's like perfection like or nothing mm. it's like you're either here or there but actually 99.9999% of us are in the middle none of us are perfect mm-hmm. we all make mistakes in different ways but it's actually going okay that's fine it's okay to be imperfect yeah. and it's okay to be an imperfect business as long as that you are moving forward all the time and you're growing so you're either going forwards or going backwards. And as long as, with your mistakes, they're little stalls, as long as you push on, learn, and grow, then you're going in the right direction, and that's okay. So that's episode one done of a brand new podcast. And we're going to carry on doing this. And we're going to carry on sharing our journey. Not just on what we've done, although we're going to cover that off a bit over the next few episodes, but just as importantly, let people follow along with what's happening as we go through this scale-up journey, which is really exciting. What isn't as exciting is the next episode. And you're going to have to subscribe and make sure you get notifications set up and everything else because you're not going to want to miss this. I'm so scared of this episode. Again, this feels like this could be another mistake that we're about to make and we're going to feel the pain by the end of the next episode. Yeah, it's like confessing to our biggest mistakes in eight years of business is just a warm-up because (laughs) in the next episode we've asked our team anonymously what they really think of us as individuals 
and we don't know what the answers are. No. And we find out live in the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just we're saying not, it now. We're not learned enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have to do it now because we just said that we will. So fine. That's going to be the next episode. So that's it. End of episode one. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate your support. And podcast listeners, we know you're the ones that really support us. Yes, of course, we love our YouTube subscribers, but we know they come and go. But podcast subscribers are a bit more loyal. They're the ones that have helped us grow the Property Podcast to hundreds of thousands of listeners. Crazy numbers. But it's only got there because of you. Because you've left reviews. You've shared it with others. And we hope you will support this new project by doing the same. If you'd like to help us, then please do leave an iTunes review. Or anywhere else it's easy for you to leave a review. Because that support will really help people find us. And of course, do share with other like-minded individuals who you think will benefit and enjoy this show too. Thank you so much for your support. This is a really exciting and scary project for us, and we hope you really enjoy it. Take care. Bye-bye.